0: My personal view is that 2024 to 2027 is going to be an absolute shit show. Really? And that this you is- You heard it here first, people.
1: <laughs> and be the...
0: ready. <laughs> the thing that people can do that will help them the most is if somebody is, is positioning something as they're doing good for humanity in the world, that's where you need to be questioning. Yeah. There are going to be people on this planet that are like, no. Mm. And enough of those people are gonna come together that we will actually have a rebellion.
1: In this episode, I speak to Leah Steele. Leah is known as the wealth witch. She says that every one of us has some kind of unhealthy beliefs around financial wealth. Leah works with people to unravel these beliefs and create wealth in all areas of their lives. This conversation took some very unexpected turns down some very deep rabbit holes on the current state of the world. Leah predicts that 2020 and 2021 isn't anywhere near as crazy and chaotic as she expects it to be in 2024 to 2027. Tune in for that and learn what we need to be doing to position ourselves for possibly more turbulent times and to understand what's possible for humanity on the other side. Really powerful conversation you're gonna love. Do not touch those buttons. Guys, head on over to www.montyhook.com and get free access to my ebook, The Exponential Entrepreneur. Abraham Lincoln was quoted as saying, "'Give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the ax.'" This is a concept I've been obsessing over for the past five years, how to scale your business and actually take on more projects, all whilst working less and living a life you love. I'm now very fortunate to have multiple businesses that all run without me, and I spend my days sharpening the axe. That's doing things that I love, like surfing, working on my spiritual practice and health, learning, and doing podcasts. So if you are an entrepreneur and you are interested in the strategies required to scale your business, but with you actually working less, and most importantly, cultivating a life of spiritual abundance and freedom, then head on over to www.montyhook.com and get free access to the ebook now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back down the rabbit hole. I'm Monty Hook and I'm in the studio in Bali today joined by the lovely Leah Steele.
0: Hello. I'll
1: give you a hug, but it's a little bit far.
0: Okay, sounds good.
1: How are you? Great. Good. How are you? Good. How do you, just everybody knows this is brand new, brand new ink. Amazing. So uh, you're the first person to kind of see it up close. I'm
0: sure it doesn't translate in the video, but it is just like beautiful and amazing.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of hidden, hidden meaning in there, which I'm sure you can uh, you can gather.
0: Down the rabbit hole on the arm.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so um, let, let, let me uh, tell people a little bit about who you are. Um, well, first of all, I don't know where you're from. How long have you been in Bali?
0: So I am, I was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan in the United States, um, moved here from Salt Lake City, Utah about three years ago, almost three years ago.
1: Yeah. And what brought you to Bali?
0: Um, wow. I mean, that's a story in and of itself. Yeah. But um we had very successful addiction treatment businesses uh. uh that collapsed and lost everything. Okay. And in the process of losing everything, I realized that nothing in my life was the way I wanted it to be mm. and decided to really step into living a purpose-led life. And doing the things that I actually came to this planet to do. Yeah. And through- so, had
1: you been to Bali and spent time here before, or were you on that like that eat, pray, love journey of like trying to find yourself and new, new, new chapter kind of thing? Or <laughs> <what>?
0: <laughs> well, I don't know that it was an eat, pray, love journey. Not that I should
1: compare you but- to Julia Roberts, but <laughs>
0: um, we had never been to Bali. Yeah. We had never been here. It was sight unseen. We sold everything and moved our family wow. here with two kids. Yeah. But my husband and I live our lives by synchronicities and we were planning to go to Costa Rica. Uh-huh. And when we started telling people that we were going to Costa Rica, I had six or seven people and he had six or seven people separately that didn't know each other say, you guys should really check out Bali. And when we had the conversation and we realized that that had happened, we just, that's how we live our lives. And so we looked at the map. Literally, I don't think either of us even knew where Bali was. We looked at the map and I saw that it was right next to Australia and I was going to have to be in Australia twice that year for business. And so I was like, let's just go for a year. Yeah. If we like it, great. If we hate it, we'll just go somewhere else. Go because Rica. this is this amazing, well, yeah, and this is this amazing part of the world where yeah. there's so many different places really that you can go and so we
1: ah, amazing we adventure yeah I, I think Costa Rica and Bali tend to come up in the same conversations yeah yeah, it's almost like uh, Costa Rica is the, the Bali of the, um, the Americas
0: yeah it's like Costa Rica or somewhere in Mexico yeah. right like those are sort of our, our Bali yeah. destinations but. so
1: tell us a little bit about what you do so you're known as the wealth witch yes. um, I'm very curious as to why you refer to yourself as a witch um, Yeah, I'd love to hear the story of that.
0: So, yes, I am the Wealth Witch. Um, It was not a Uh self-chosen name. It was actually given to me by clients, and I was in a lot of resistance to it for a while. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately ended up taking it on, and the brand sort of took on a life of its own, um, which is amazing. But, yeah, and and for me, so I'm a Wealth Consciousness coach um, of sorts – moving more into sort of holistic wealth strategist world. I'm not doing a lot mm. of uh, one-on-one coaching anymore. Um, my message and, and the work that I do reaches more many and masses now instead of the one type one-to-one one dynamic. Yep. Um, but I do wealth repatterning essentially and deconstruct people's money stories yep. and help people step into that place in their life where they feel like, they are actually in control of their finances and their ability to be wealthy in all areas of their mm. lives. So
1: yeah, there's a few rabbit holes we can go down there. But one of the things that I, because uh, I've you know, followed you on Instagram for a little bit and I've seen some of your videos and you're often talking about um, astrology, Right, you're kind of very tuned into that and you're using tarot cards and stuff like this. Um, you know, obviously we're in Bali, and a lot of that stuff kind of happens. But you also seem to have this very grounded kind of nature to you. Yeah. So one thing that I, I like to talk about in this is, you know, people often think of Bali as, you know, there's a lot of fluffy, fluffy people here. But I like the idea of kind of bridging the gaps, you know, the kind of um, the the bridging the woo woo to the to the mainstream, if you like. Um, so yeah, you seem to. Uh, my observation of you, you seem to have that ability to really be able to connect with everybody on, on that level. Talking about astrology and you're talking about, you know, like um, Mercury retrograde, retrograde and all these kind of things. Some people talk about that and it just sounds like, just shut the fuck up. Like it, it just sounds really fluffy and woo-woo and like it's going nowhere. <laughs> but yours sounds very grounded. So has that something that you've always done? Is this part of your... Is this part of what you're tuning into with helping people with their wealth or different thing?
0: Yes and no. So I think that for me, I am a person that as a child had a lot of spiritual gifts. Um, I I had a lot of gifts and I shut them down at a very early age because they were really overwhelming. And I'm a business person. So I think that's part of where this sort of grounded energy comes from. I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a businesswoman, and I like to make money. And so very early on, that was my focus. I mean, I started working when I was 13 and from 13 on, like I never really worked less than two or three jobs because I was really interested in making yeah, money.
1: Same with me. I'm, it was exactly the same. I had my first business when I was eight, but even as a teenager, I had jobs and side hustles. And,
0: yeah, yeah. So that was just always my thing. I always wanted to, I was raised by a single mom, um, so, sort of saw her struggle And I didn't want to be that. And I didn't want to create that. (laughs) So it was, you know, so as soon as I could start making my own money, I made money. And I had a series of really, really incredible opportunities come to me in my 20s, um, where I was very, very fortunate to work with some incredible mentors um, and learn a lot about marketing and business development. And so, you know. Then decided to go into business for myself and went into my family business, which was addiction treatment. And somewhere along that journey started having a spiritual reawakening. Um, My mother was a hippie, free love hippie in the 70s. And so as a result of that, like I absolutely, you know, I did the thing you do when you're a teenager, which was like, I don't want anything to do with that. She was, you know across the board Republican or sorry, Democrat. And I was like, Nope, I'm going to be a Republican. I want to make money. Like, I don't want anything to do with any of this liberal bullshit. Like I'm not here for it. And though I'm very socially liberal, I'm quite conservative. And that's a whole nother rabbit hole that we probably shouldn't go down. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah, so I, you know, and I, so I started having a spiritual reawakening and started allowing some of those gifts to come back. But never really wanted to be the woo woo chick. Mm. Like it's just, it's not, I'm feel the same way you do. I think I don't like that. I don't like it when people don't have a groundedness. And for me, I'm a very results oriented and driven person. So I'm into the woo and into the spirituality Mm. when it delivers results.
1: Yeah. That's That's an interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah.
0: So that's that's how I do what I do. And you know, and so I use some of those things. I think when you see the me doing the tarot readings, it's in my monthly wealth forecast. Yeah. That's the only place that I use tarot anymore, though yeah. it was a big part of my business when I very first started. I just that's not really the work that I do now. But yeah. I do do I do use it for the forecast as well as like universal energy and then the astrology that's yeah. happening. So
1: basically, considering that you can predict the future (laughs) and everything that's going to happen in the world, what the fuck's going on right now? Like energetically, the last 12 months or so, 2020, 2021, massive shifts. Um, And until very recently, I've been really optimistic. Like I kind of have this intuitive feeling that what's possible for humanity on the other side is just like greater than we could ever know. However, I also feel like we haven't even started with the pain yet and uh, I think I just we're going to go to some dark places and I was reading recently actually about how um, a lot of the big tech investors they have been buying up farms ranches in New Zealand and becoming citizens of New Zealand for when the world turns to shit and there's Armageddon and they're all going to go live in bunkers in New Zealand right and this just kind of got me thinking like "Hmm, not that I'm scared of that, but maybe it's, um, if they're thinking that, well, there's gotta be, I mean, there's some pretty smart people, right? I mean, they created these tech companies probably because they can see the future in some way and, you know, where humanity is going to go. So they're seeing something that I don't see. So what do you, what do you predict?
0: So, I mean, I think I, I agree with you in many ways. I mean, when people ask me ultimately what's going to happen, humanity wins. Ultimately we win. Ultimately, we dismantle these existing systems and structures that aren't working for us and that are taking advantage of us, and we win. But we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of the battle. So planetarily, and I won't go too much into the astrology because we could be here for an hour just talking about that, but planetarily, the things that are, the astrological influences that are happening on this planet right now are... Supportive of the breakdown of our financial systems and structures. They're not working anymore. I think we all know that and so what we're seeing right now is the beginning of that dismantling. So my belief is that between now and probably 2024 mm-hmm. we're going to see the complete and total destruction of the financial system and structure that as soon we know 2024 them. yeah i think we're wow. it's gonna we're gonna see huge huge shifts between now and then um and then my personal view is that 2024 to 2027 is going to be an absolute shit show really and that this you is- heard it here first people
1: <laughs> And Be then, ready, and,
0: and this is really, you know, and, and this comes from a variety of places. It comes from, you know, personal downloads. It comes yeah. from planetary energies. It comes from being a business person and just mm. really like evaluating what and I see vision. happening. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, you know, you can't have a dismantling of systems and structures to the degree that I believe is coming yeah. without having total chaos break out. And there are, you know, the global financial elite are not going to simply be like, okay, sure, dismantle all the banks, dismantle Mm. all these existing financial structures. There's going to be a fight for it, right? Like they're not going to just lay down.
1: I think because it's beyond just the economic system, it's well beyond that. I mean, the people that are, you know, against, to some people this was going to sound like a conspiracy, but, you know, to those people, the elites that are, potentially pulling some strings, um, you know, There, there's. The, they want to hold on to that as tightly as they can, like you're saying, but they're also, you know, like things like, how is it not obvious now that, like, they're the ones selling the vaccines and they're not putting this on humanity and, you know, and part of that is potentially an agenda to dumb down humanity so they can do it even more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think that, you know, we can sit here and say, and I know that there are people out there that are still absolutely not awake and cannot see this that are like conspiracy theory. But I'm like, you would have said two years Mm. ago that what we're living now was a conspiracy theory and here we are. Yeah. So I don't know how much more proof we need that a small group of families control everything on this planet from our food systems to our pharmaceuticals to our financial institutions to our governments like it's just Mm. it it's the reality and now you're seeing it in big tech also right so this is reality and and as much as people don't want to look at it and don't want to see it this is where we're being controlled and manipulated from and until we're start until we're ready to start looking at it I mean, that's what I think this whole 2024 to 2027 thing is. Yeah. It's going to be impossible for people not to see what's happened. Well,
1: the, the, way I, the way I look at it is every generation in history has had versions of uh, people in power and it's in history books. Every generation has had people in power, manipulating people, doing evil things, and somehow... In this generation, people are so naive to think that that is not happening right now. Of course it is happening right now. It's just not entered the history books yet, yep. right? So how, how deep do you think that goes? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, take this down any rabbit holes you want because, I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about. We could talk about child trafficking. We could talk about, you know, um, Reptilians, we could talk about all sorts of things, but how, like, to what degree, I'm curious, to what degree do you kind of take it?
0: So, I mean, I think at some level, I like to have my finger sort of on the pulse of this in all the areas, because Mm. what I believe is there's some truth in all of it, right? So instead of, I'm going to buy into this one school of thought that, you know, all of our political leaders are reptilians, I go... Hmm. okay, well, let me see what these people are talking about. And do I find some truth in that? You know, do I find some truth in that perhaps we're being controlled by a race of humans that's not fully human? I think that's absolutely a possibility, Right um but i'm not going to get to this point where i'm so obsessed about this one train of thought that i'm missing all the other right. because i think that one of the things that the global elite do very very well is distract us mm. and so they use these different types of psyops really mm-hmm. i believe to to distract us from what's actually this going on
1: this is why ufo's and aliens are going to start coming into existence because it's been happening and there's reports but now they're going to start putting it into reports
0: Oh, it's already started happening.
1: Started leaking that out, so that that's the next distraction and the next fear mongering. You know that one
0: thousand percent that is what's coming next. I've been saying it for two years, Mm. and I believe that the reason we haven't seen that yet is again it comes back to this. It comes back to money because you've got the United States, you've got the City of London, and you've got the Vatican. Right? The only. One of those entities that hasn't been able to get on board with alien invasion yet is the Vatican because they have to figure out how to explain the aliens
1: through the lens of the church church. so that
0: they continue to make money so that they continue to stay in control. So I believe that the last couple of years has been about the Vatican trying to find a story to position I'm totally laughing because so I can't believe we're talking about this, but I believe that that's what this is about, mm-hmm. right? Like that the, the Vatican is now trying to figure out what the story is going to be so that they can position this appropriately. But it's absolutely the next play. I just No love, question.
1: I love the fact that I don't feel so weird now. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, so the hard part for people is, is these seemingly, and probably the media does a good job of this as well, is there's so many different things coming out now like so many different truths and so many th- different you know sprouting up from the from the ground the, the ground is cracking in so many different places right and it's hard for people to comprehend the size of it and in people's minds that somehow they try trying to link everything together and go well there's no way that you know all the all the the governments in the world are you know they're They're having meetings in rooms and they're talking about these things and it's too big for people. Like Mm -hmm. people kind of try to link all of these things together in their mind and then they can't wrap their head around it. Mm -hmm. But the way I think about it is maybe all these things are just happening separately, individually, on their own merits, and some of these people are just seeing these elites, seeing what is going on and then taking advantage of the situation, right? So it's not necessarily that Bill Gates is in a room with you know, whoever in Davos. Maybe he is, maybe he's not, I don't know. But maybe he's just very, very good at seeing what's going on and going, okay, here's my next play, here's my next move. I'm going to buy all the farmland and control all the food.
0: Yep. I, I think that we have a system of control and manipulation that is easily tapped into by people who are visionary enough to mm. see what the pattern is, right? So I agree. I mean, I think that that, you know, but they I'm do such
1: a-, a good job of hiding their hiding this stuff as humanitarian, you know, philanthropic ventures.
0: I honestly feel like the the thing that people can do that will help them the most is if somebody is is positioning something as they're doing good for humanity in the world, that's where you need to be questioning. Yeah. Like I really truly believe that anybody that's making major major gestures on behalf of humanity is probably the biggest red flag. Yeah. Like that's where you really need to begin to look and say but how are they benefiting? Yeah. From that. Yeah. Because we believed Bill Gates to be this really, really incredible man that was doing all of these things for humanity. And now when it comes down to it and you see the harm that's been caused in these developing countries as a result of his humanitarianism.
1: Yeah, yeah but the fact-checkers will tell you otherwise. <laughs> anyway, true. there's so many places we could, we could take this. Okay, regardless of whether people believe all of everything that we're talking about or they just get a sense that, you know, something's not quite right. I think the answer for what we need to do as individuals is probably much the same. What do you think that we need to do as individuals in terms of, um, you know, how do we, is there something we can do to live our lives? Is there something we should be focused on? I think this last year has been a great opportunity for people to reassess what's important and it's given people time to sit in stillness and maybe kind of go within and. I think the spiritual side of people, a lot of people, a lot more people is coming out. Yeah. Um, I think that's beautiful. I think that's, that's amazing. Um, what do you think, where do you think people's attention and focus should be to, not that we can fix all these things, yeah. but I think when there's enough of humanity focused in the right direction, then we can move the needle. Yeah.
0: I mean, look, so 2020 was the best year of my life. And I had a great year too it like hands down the best year of my life financially, emotionally, physically everything and and I know that that's true for a lot of people, and it's difficult to say that when so many people struggled, mm. but look, I truly believe that we've been given a blessing here as difficult as this has been we've been given this opportunity to realize that all of the beliefs that we had around what was safe, stable, and secure actually are not. And that the only people we can really depend upon are each other. And it's really important, I believe, that we step into our sovereignty um, and to a connection with that highest level version of ourselves. So however you see that, your higher self, your divine immortal soul, whatever it is, and then the connection from that highest level version of yourself to whatever you believe is the end-all, be-all, God, source, universe, all that is, whatever you call it, that that conscious connection, the cultivation of that connection between higher self and source, that is where I believe everybody needs to be right now. Because we're, Mm -hmm. you know, I think so many people are like, oh, let's help humanity. But you can't help anyone until you are in your sovereignty, until you know why you're here and what you're meant to be doing. And
1: what's what's occurring to me while you say this is, We've been so uh, in belief of everything that we're fed through the media and for such a long time, and now finally people are waking up going, oh, maybe it's not a good idea for me to turn on the news. And that is giving that practice that you're talking about, people tuning into their sovereignty and you know, that um, spiritual side, is giving people access to understanding that on a very deep level.
0: Yeah. I and I think what, what you're saying too is, is the thing that I talk about all the time. It's we have to begin to question everything. Yeah. And I mean everything. The things that you've believed always were true simply because everyone in your life has always told you that they were true and that they were facts. Your great grandparents, your grandparents, your parents, those beliefs that you dig your heels in so deeply to defend those are the things that we need to begin questioning. Yeah. Is this actually true? Is this actually a reality? Is this actually how I need to live my life? And so I, I truly believe that what we all need to be doing right now is staying in that state of constant curiosity where we're questioning mm. everything and we're making a really, really focused effort to connect with the highest level version of ourselves yeah. and find out what is it really actually that we're here to do. What's our purpose? Yeah. Why are we here?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think when enough people tune into what is important, you know, because we could we could say that okay, so over the last year, people have realised that their corporate career that they've been doing for fifteen years is isn't serving their their sole purpose, and now they want to become a life coach or a wealth witch or whatever it is, <laughs> right? <laughs> or a podcaster, or they want to pursue something. They want to pursue something else, but. Does that mean everybody can? Everybody can do that. Everybody can wake up to that. Um, I don't think that really matters. I think it just it's it's there's going to be a tipping point where there's enough people tuned into that where it just it it shifts the way humanity works. Yeah. So example, and you you, you we can t- we'll obviously go down this rabbit hole on cryptocurrencies and all this. Um, the way I think about that is. I've people ask me all the time, have you been investing in crypto? And I'm like, no, I haven't until now. And the reason I haven't in the past is because I haven't felt like it's the time yet. Okay. It's it's opening those technologies like Bitcoin have been invented to pave the way for what is going to be prevalent, mm-hmm. but it hasn't yet been the time. And I think Maybe even just in the last few months, we've started to see this shift, and I've kind of put my attention back on it. Going, "Mm, okay, well, let me just start putting some money in this, this, and this. Do I believe necessarily that anything I'm investing in right now is going to be the thing, or it's going to be the currency? No, I don't. I don't. But there's enough movement and momentum now to 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 tell me that we're moving in that direction, and it's only going to go in that direction. And yeah, what's your take on that?
0: Very similar, actually. So, you know, I have um, obviously cryptocurrency has been in my field of awareness for a long time. Um, And I've never invested up until recently because of the same reasons. Like I, you know, I've watched it from afar with some curiosity Um, but really more in a state of observation. And I know a lot of people that, you know, four or five years ago really got burned in some different types of Ponzi scheme type crypto
1: investments. I also know some people that have killed it in cryptos and uh, somehow now think that they're experts, but actually they just got lucky.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's some of those out there as well, for sure. Um, So for me, I think, you know, I think now is an interesting time to start investing Mm. in crypto. Um, And so, you know, I've, we've been investing in some smaller coins um, and I, I'm the same. I think that we actually haven't seen whatever the coins are that are going to really be the drivers of this decentralization. Um, And I think that Again, it's this timing thing for me, right? I think that as we move into 2023, 2024, and definitely 2025, like when the shit hits the fan, yeah. whatever's there and standing, that's where you want to put all your money. Yeah. And so for us right now, we're actually putting more of our investment money into uh, gold and silver.
1: Yep. Yeah, so I, I, and back to my last point, I think – when enough people um, are either forced or they're tuned into cryptocurrency, there's going to be a tipping point where it's like, okay, this is, this is now what we do. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit the same in terms of, um, maybe you can relate to this, but the way I think of cryptocurrency is so much of how it works in the markets, or actually probably all of it, is on sentiment. It's on what the emotions of the market at the time, that's what's driving it to go up and down. It's not like business where there's some fundamentals of the business and some numbers of the business which give it some intrinsic value. So the ones I'm looking at and not, the ones I'm putting into are the ones that have actual business plans, the ones that are actually doing things in business and I'm not interested in the hype just because, you know, it's on Reddit or something. Yeah. It's like that it doesn't interest me because it might go up like this but it's probably just going to come back down like this and – I don't have my finger on the pulse enough every day. It's not my lane to be doing day trading and to be having my eyes on this. Yep. So that's the way I think about it.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, I, I feel a similar way. I, I have friends right now that are day trading and making heaps of yeah. money. And that's amazing for them because they have the time yeah. to be able to focus on that. I just, there's not enough hours in yep. the day. I, I really am in a place where, you know, I have a couple of friends that I feel like are doing it really well. And so I check in with them to get yeah. feedback on, you know, what they're seeing and what's going on. And then I'm in some telegram chats and some different places where I kind of keep my finger on the pulse of it. But, um, I absolutely agree that I think that, um, it is a very emotionally driven reality there. And that's dangerous. And particularly when what's happening in the world is so shaky right now. Um, I think 2020 was like Disneyland yeah. compared to what is coming you know and so it's like
1: so what what do you think it, what do you think it looks like because like i said before it's not just going to be the the financial systems so what do you think and how can you see it crumbling like i mean if you could paint a picture for people of what you think is going to happen
0: i think we're going to see um, and, and, and I'm not sure how, like what this next thing is that happens, like whether we have another virus yeah or, or whether we have alien invasion. Well,
1: there's a lot of numbers after 19, so they're going to be 20, 21, yeah. 22, 23. Yeah.
0: Unendingly. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I actually thought that disclosure, alien disclosure was going to come by the end of, of last year because mm-hmm. there were, I mean, there was so much that they were positioning things every week. There was something coming out about. And they did do some disclosure actually yep. in December, which was but I thought it was going to be on a on a bigger scale than it actually was, and I yep. think that they realized that the virus momentum was actually still going, uh. and they didn't need to do that right like so it's <laughs> so I think that we're gonna see another major world event, yeah, because I think that this really was a test to see how easy is it to control them yeah and I believe what's going to happen is there's going to be a tremendous, like an even greater lockdown and even greater um, effort to control. And I think that at that point, there are going to be people on this planet that are like, no.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And enough of those people are going to come together that we will actually have a rebellion. Yep. We will actually have a we will have members of humanity stepping up and leading and saying, no, we're not going to live like this anymore. And we're not willing to allow you to control our money and our food supply and our medicine and, and dictate to us how we're supposed to do live you, our lives. Do you
1: think that that will be isolated to certain countries or it'll be a global thing?
0: So I think it will start in certain countries, right? Because yeah. there are certain countries that they are they're so used to that that it would really take a lot to, you know, here in Indonesia, for example, I feel like, you know, it's, it's not as, um, people aren't struggling as much with the things that they're being asked to do. Yeah. Whereas, you know, there's many people in, I know Australia in the United States that are like, no, I'm not doing this. I don't want to do this. I don't, you know, I don't agree with this yeah. and you can't make laws and force me to do these things. So I think that we'll see uprisings in, um, you know likely Europe I would say London probably in UK for sure um, United States certainly I mean the United States is a ticking time bomb as far as I'm concerned mm. right now like it's
1: so is Australia yeah I feel like Australia's I've had this intuition about Australia for a long time I haven't I've felt like it's not safe like something is dark and happening there and like even if one of my family members died there's no way I'd go back because I'm too scared of them locking me in, going, nah, you can't leave again. I'm not going there. Sorry. Sorry, Mum.
0: That's me. I mean, everyone's like, come back to the United States. And I'm like, I just don't know that I feel. I'm just worried they're not gonna let me back out. Exactly. And that's, I'm like, that's yeah. makes me really nervous because yeah. that's not where I want to be yeah. when when everything locks down. I've
1: I've until recently not bought into this idea of you know, uh, Armageddon and bunker by, you know, living in bunker, building bunkers and stuff like this. Um, but it's really been kind of prevalent in my mind for whatever reason, and not from, a pla- not from the, the, the place of fear, but more from the place of, okay, well, maybe, if something happened, okay, well, me and some people close to me, I'd like to be able to protect them, first of all. How do I do that? All right, and let's just consider maybe there's just a one percent chance of that happening. Okay, well, even if that is only one percent, is it worth me? Is it worth me taking that? And I've kind of recently considered like buying a big piece of land somewhere and building a you know, sustainable farm and um, maybe even a bunker and you know sharing it amongst a group of people in Indonesia. Yeah. I feel like if you're out in the islands somewhere in the middle of the Indian ocean, I mean, you're safer than, you're safer than, safer than Chicago. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that it's, for me, it's about being prepared. That's all the work that I do. And when I talk about these things, it's maybe this is true. Maybe this isn't, maybe this is going to happen. Maybe this isn't, but the best thing you can do for yourself is be prepared as far as I'm concerned. And at this point things have cha- things changed so rapidly over a 12 month period that anything is possible now mm. and so you know i think you're absolutely right to do that you know we have been discussing and talking about similar things we've been looking at different property investments to say okay well if something does go south this would be a great place I don't know to if be
1: you know this but i was reading something the other day they're doing it in the, in the USA People have bought huge pieces of land and they're building and selling bunkers. And people are just buying bunkers like they're just going out of fashion.
0: (laughs) I mean, if you think back to like when was the last time we were building and buying bunkers? It's, you know, especially like during the World Wars, right? Mm. I truly believe we are on the verge of that right now. We're 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 in it already, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I just look at the United States, for example. Things cannot continue on no. the way that they are with the political tension that 's existing in the United States and all of this other stuff on top of it, yeah so
1: but I think the things on top of it have been have been put there by the powers that be yeah, I think there's so many things like i I mean i can 't quantify but you know the stuff that 's out in the news at the moment, like but the racism against Asians in well, has that been instigated by somebody for the purpose of causing more friction between each other? Because yeah. I think if you were to remove all of, all of the media, I don't think we'd have any issues. We'd all just be getting along. I mean, yeah. sure, there'd be some idiots, but it, it wouldn't be anything like how we think it is. Yeah.
0: Well, we're easier to control and manipulate when we're emotionally charged. We're easier to control and manipulate when we're divided from each other. Yeah. And so how do we divide each other from each other? By, by pointing out our differences, yeah. right? And then by taking advantage of that and manipulating scenarios and situations to look like humanity is actually bad, that we're mm. evil, that we don't care about each other, that everyone is, is out to get each other.
1: Yeah. I saw this meme the other day. And it was like set in the king's court from however many hundreds or thousand years ago or whatever. And the king is like standing on the, 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 the balcony or the podium overlooking the crowd and they're all standing there with pitchforks and torches. And the, the, the quote was, all we have to do is get the people with the pitchforks to, to turn on the people with the, with the torches. So this, this has been going on forever, yep. this kind of manipulation. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. But isn't it, isn't it fascinating? I, I think you made such a good point. I think it's so fascinating that, you know, we're willing to look at it from every other generation, and, mm. but we're like, but this isn't happening to us right yeah. now.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and this is why I feel like somewhere like Australia is really dangerous, because Australia has this attitude of, it's the lucky country, she'll be right, she'll be right, mate. You know, it, they've had, Australians have had this attitude of, we've had it so good for so long. Even if I thought something was happening here, I'm going to bury my head in the sand because I've got this indoctrinated attitude of, you know, everything's good. She'll be right. Don't worry about it. (laughs) And I think that's a very dangerous position for people to be in. Anyway, this sounds like we're painting the picture of Doom and gloom, and the world is shit. And but I still feel <laughs> very optimistic and positive. So, what, what can so let's tune this back into what you do with, uh, with wealth creation. Mm-hmm. Um, how can people be uh, creating more wealth for themselves? And where uh, we've talked about crypto a little bit, where do you think people should be focusing in terms of their wealth and what is wealth? And what is wealth in the, in the future? And where should people have their attention? So I think the other reason why I like now investing in crypto is not because I think I'm going to make a killing out of it, because I'm now curious about the industry and I want to have my finger on the pulse a little bit. Yep. So where should people's attention and focus be and how can they create this wealth for themselves in whatever direction that's, you think that that's going to go?
0: Yeah. So I think for me the first thing I'll say is that you know, for me – wealth or being wealthy, which is really what I like to focus on a lot. This idea of being wealthy The word wealthy comes from two words, well and healthy. So to be wealthy means to be well and healthy. And for me, that's in all areas of our lives, Mm -hmm. right? Financially. Yes, absolutely. But in our relationships, physically, spiritually, psychologically. Um, and so I think that the first thing for me is this piece around sovereignty and, and beginning to look to what can we do to start creating financial resources for ourselves outside of what we're being dished or handed by an organization or an institution that we believed was safe and stable. And so I think the first thing that people really need to to begin to, to do is to open themselves up to how do I start to bring in revenue from multiple streams and multiple places? And, you know, for example, in the United States, I would tell anyone who's an American, find a home-based business that you're interested in and start doing that thing. Mm. Do not be in the position where you have to depend upon your income from your nine to five job. So what is it that you're interested in? What are your hobbies? What do you like to do? How can you go out in the world and make money doing something that you love that you're not dependent upon somebody else or Mm. upon another person? And I mean, I think this is the thing that we've been so programmed and conditioned to believe that making money is hard and it's not hard. Making money is actually the easiest thing in the world to do. Mm. Um, and, and so for me, that's the work that I do is help people deconstruct those beliefs and that programming and conditioning that we've been handed down for generations from our ancestors. And you've got to work
1: hard for your money. That was, I mean, yep. that was, that's been my one, you know, I, um, like I said before, I had my first business when I was eight years old and just working hard and driving, like just very like aggressive and just hustling and hustling and hustling. And in the last five years or so, I've really started to unravel that. And tuning into all the things that you were saying before about what is, what is wealth, for me, I think what's been a massive paradigm shift for me is my relationship with time. And my way I live my life now is, you know, I say that I work 10 hours a day, but my work is going to the gym, it's going for walks, it's going for a surf, it's meditation, it's um, that's work, that's my, that's my work, right? So part of it is, and podcasting, I mean, this is, this is fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there is some work that I do, but, you know, work, work, but I've got businesses that run without me. And what I feel like is the more ability that I have to tune into, to um, tune away from the hustle, it gives me access, the way I describe it is, I, it gives me access to make things move around me instead of me being the one to move. And that has come about by my ability to sit still, to be present, to uh, cultivate spiritual practice. Um, Meditation. And that has then led me to be able to make more money. The difference now is I no longer need the money in the way that I thought I needed the money before. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so and that gives me another access again, because I don't need anything.
0: Yep. Well, it's always easier. It's easier to make money when you're not trying to make money. Exactly. Um so I talk about it in a similar way, but I talk about bandwidth. So mm part of what I do with my clients is really get them focused on this idea that you're talking about. It's like, let's stop trading time for money. Mm. Let's start looking at what are the things in, in my bandwidth that I don't need to be doing or that are taking up space that I could be using to create or to, you know, have something drop in around an alternate stream of revenue or something. And I think that, you know, what you're talking about, these practices of that you're calling work, I call them work too, right? My day starts when I get up in sauna and journal and and that's all part of my work day. Um, But those practices enable me to free up my bandwidth, Um, which I believe at any given time, you know, we've got a finite amount of bandwidth. And if we're filling it up with worries about how we're going to pay our car payment or, you know all of these tasks that we need to do that are really probably below our pay grade yeah um then we don't have the space to create we don't have the space to allow divine downloads to to come in for ways that alternate ways that we could make money yeah. and so i i really believe that cl- clearing up that bandwidth and freeing up our bandwidth is really important mm. and it is about cultivating those practices and and really being able to this is why people love the four-hour work week so much, mm. right? It's like but stop th- working so hard, start working smarter, and then use that other time yeah. for creation.
1: Yeah, but I, I still think even when you're on that journey of like, oh, there's another way, you start in that. The, the paradigm of time is still the same. Like my, I honestly feel like this is just my experience. doesn't matter if it's real or not, but I have the experience of having more time. People say, like, when I tell people, people ask me, what do you do? Okay, I've got a business in the Philippines, a company here, running a podcast, I've got a team, I'm building a place here called Lighthouse, I'm on the board of four companies. Oh, you're a busy guy. No, not really. <laughs> and, and because my relationship with, I feel like, I, it's not that I feel like I have more than 24 hours, but I don't know, my relationship with time is, is bending time. That's mm-hmm. how I feel. Yeah. And I think the access to that is that, that stillness, that really cultivating that. And it's, that's not easy to do. Like to, to unravel what has got you results in the past, you know, if you work 12 hours a day and it got you to this certain level, to then say, okay, well, I'm going to take three hours out of those 12 and do it on this thing which, based on my current paradigm, says that's fucking around. <laughs> and just trusting that that's going to you know, something big is going to unfold out of that. It's very counterintuitive. There's some, so I feel like the work that you're doing is probably pretty important because I think it's beyond just the, just the financial aspect. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, to me, I think money is just like the gateway drug to spirituality. It's an Mm -hmm. easy access point because everybody has money shit. Everybody has a money story. Everybody's got programming and conditioning around money. The work I do is about so much more. It is about this finding balance. It is about, you know, being able to create, acquire and accumulate wealth, but in all areas of your life. Money's an access point because everybody wants more money. Yeah. Um, and they believe that that's the problem when yeah. it's actually not the problem. Yeah. It's the symptom of a deeper issue.
1: And nobody actually needs money. Nobody needs money. Well, well, yeah, you need food, sure. You need, a, you need shelter. You know, you need... And at this point in time, money, cash, bank accounts is the access to keeping those things going, but you don't need the money. You need freedom. You need... And so if you
0: want to know what I see, I actually think we will move away from this type of tangible trade of currency in that way. I think that, I think we will move away from that. I
1: think there's a lot of, you know, there's one thing that's been on my mind a lot lately is, you know, the way that people used to live in villages, like how, how they live here in, in Bali. Like the way that um, the the banjar works here, I don't know what the word is in English, like the the, the district, like the suburb, mm-hmm. right? It's all self-governed. It's like a village. It's a big village, but they have their own police. They deal with their own matters. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a better way of... Operating, like the village dealing with its own stuff and supporting each other and, you know, this person's got rice and this person's got corn and this person's got flowers and, you know, so it's all inside an ecosystem. I I feel like somehow we've got to move back to that. Humanity's got to move back in that direction somehow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I think it's coming, so (laughs) we'll see.
1: Awesome. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about – Female leadership, because you work a lot with women, mm-hmm. that seems to be uh, who you attract mm-hmm. to work with. Like you said before, not out of intention. That's just who you attract. And my guess would be is that you show up as a very powerful, strong, feminine energy, and that is probably inspiring to a lot of to a lot of people. Um, I've said this on the podcast many, many times. I feel like the world to solve these problems we're talking about. We've got to have more female leadership. We've got to have more feminine energy in leadership. Mm-hmm. That's from women and from, and from men. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we can do so much better in this world with female leaders stepping up. Is this in the cards?
0: I mean, yeah, I think that, you know, we're moving out of a patriarchal society. And again, we can, you know, we can go back to these sort of universal energies and planetary energies that are happening. But we've, we have stepped into the age of Aquarius, you know, and we've been talking about coming into it for so long, but, but we are shifting into this, this state and this age of humanity that is going to be much more feminine in nature. Um, and, and I think that that happens for a variety of reasons. At this point, I feel like the way that we've done things with the patriarchy and the way it's it's been going, it's run its course. Mm. And so, yeah, I think that I think we need more leaders. Period. Yeah. I mean, I think what I I look ac- out across the world and I go, where but, are the leaders of our generation?
1: I like, think the, I think the, the, the major issue is that the systems are so broken that even if somebody had good leadership qualities. They're coming into a broken system. It's very hard for somebody to shine through in a broken system. Yeah. you got to change the system. We got to change the system somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So,
0: <laughs> and that's what we're here to do. And I think that you know, that's for me. I absolutely have a divine mission and a why, mm. and each day is about getting up and serving that, and and dialing in more on you know, what are the changes that I need to be making in the world? And for me, that's around financial slavery consciousness and shifting that. But I do that through shining light on slavery in all areas in the world. Um, And so I think that, you know, when we can discover what each of our unique leadership path is, the way that we are, the way we lead the best, Mm -hmm. um, and we start tapping into that energy, that's what shifts. That's how we actually all come together and change, again, through sovereignty, right? Wh- who is the leader that I am? Who am I here to lead? How am I here to make a difference? Mm.
1: I think one of, what's occurring to me as you, as you say this is, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, I think people get very wrapped up in what it is that they're supposed to be doing in life rather than who they should be, who they should be being. Mm-hmm. And I heard this quote the other day, or, or read it somewhere. Um, purposeful action with no real purpose, and I really relate to that because I think you know what you're saying before is there's this um, idea that you know we can create a business, we can tune into you know something which is of more meaning for ourselves and and the planet, but I think. People go about it the wrong way because they're thinking in the vehicle or what is going to get them there rather than focusing on who they need to be and bringing purpose to what you're doing rather than trying to figure out your purpose because mm-hmm. I think you could spend your whole life figuring out your purpose because we're constantly evolving all the time and my purpose is fleeting and it's, it's changing. So to get so wrapped up in our purpose I think is, doesn't serve us. So is that something that you, you talk about or?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that for me, I believe that, I believe that we all have a gift Mm. that we came here to share with the world. Um, And I think it's just a remembrance. Do you think that that's like,
1: that's like a sole purpose kind of thing?
0: I think that we, yes. And I I think it's more about we each came here to contribute something Mm. and that because we each have a unique energy signature, and none none of those are the same. Nobody else can actually deliver that gift that you're here to deliver. And I think what people get really wrapped up in mm. is that everyone thinks that that has to be, you know, they're trying to. That mold they need them- to be a thought leader, or they need to be a well, businessman.
1: Try- yeah, they're trying to mold themselves to what they think that the world or the market is saying.
0: Right. Yeah. Instead of which I what is what I think maybe you're saying that when you live purpose led each day of your life it yeah. doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're you know you're doing this idea of yeah. what purpose work is
1: yeah
0: um I change know? my mind
1: every freaking day about what I'm doing <laughs> but people look at me and go wow you're living a life so on purpose every day I'm questioning my purpose
0: <laughs> but you have a like what's the gift you're bringing to the world
1: uh so the the the, the theme that has been constant and arising and you know like i'm i am somebody that gets in my own head and questions myself and um but the thing that has been unfolding uh more recently especially has been uh, like i mentioned before i've had businesses since i was young and i had my personality was very attached to the idea of being an entrepreneur which means i'm the person at the front like I'm the leader, look at me everybody, look at how fucking cool I am, look at what I'm building. But what's really showing up is I don't feel like I'm the messenger. I feel like I'm here to support the messengers. And it's almost like I'm coming, I'm coming to peace with the idea of just being the wizard behind the scenes, making things move around me, Instead of me having to be the one out there going, hey, look at me. Look what I've done. So that's something I'm tuning into more and more. And I feel like I've still got a long way to go to really, um, yeah, something that I want to keep working towards. But it's definitely that. It's very hard to articulate. Like it's me not being... It's me being a leader, but by not being a leader no. it's by me i'm very i'm good in business it's creating ecosystems to help other to help the messengers so when someone says okay well i 'm a life coach well that's great well then someone says okay well i'm a coach for the life coaches i'm like i'm already seven steps ahead going i don't want to be any of that I want to build some kind of business or create some kind of system which supports all of you yeah. that's the way my mind works and I feel like that is in some ways my my purpose yeah
0: collaborative leadership
1: is that what it's you call good. it
0: well I just that's the term that kept dropping in yeah. like as you were talking and I think that you know and that's the entrepreneur's journey I think at some level right like we're all we're at some point always in the look at me look what I'm doing look how hard mm. I'm working You know, I'm building these things. And then we get to the point where we're like, "Mm, that's, you know, it's exhausting. That's the hustle that's, you know, and we want more. We want more wealth in our lives. We want to be more wealthy in our lives and be more rounded and be more balanced and enjoy life instead of being in that, that constant struggle and that constant hustle. So, um,
1: yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So, um, how can people, I've got one last question for you. But let's make sure that everybody can find you. you got some really cool videos on Instagram and you've got a podcast, The, the, the Wealth, the Witch, Wealth podcast. Witch Podcast. Yep. So um, what's the best way for people to find you, Instagram? Or? Yeah,
0: inst- I'm at the Leah Steele on all the socials. Yep. Um, and then the podcast is podcast. Yep. and it's everywhere podcasts are streamed. So
1: Very cool. We'll make sure everyone's got the links to check you out. Um, and I acknowledge you for the work that you 're doing. I feel like it 's very, very important, and not just from the surface level, which is um, you know the the what people might be thinking when they hear about you or they see the surface of you, which is wealth creation, you know helping people make more money sure that's but it 's obviously well well beyond that it 's this thing that we 're talking about of unraveling everything. So that everything is harmonious, so that then the wealth creation just becomes easy, it yeah. just flows to you as a, as a as a mechanism of everything being in harmony. so yeah. Good on you. <laughs>
0: well thank you. <laughs>
1: one last question for you, and I ask this of everybody: If you had the superpower of mental telepathy and you had the ability to send a message to all seven point eight billion people or whatever the number is now, it's probably less with the vaccine. But um sorry for the bad joke. Sorry. <laughs> but um it's definitely no different with 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 coronavirus. But if you had that ability to connect a message, languages aside, with everybody in humanity, what would that message be?
0: that it's your divine birthright to be wealthy in all areas of your life. Mm. And you are so worthy and so deserving of that.
1: Yep. That's awesome. Thank you very much, Leah. Very much appreciated guys. Make sure you go check out Leah. Um, we'll make sure that you've got the links and, uh, we'll get you actually by the next time we do round two, we'll have lighthouse studios and we can do it in a big, big setting. And yeah.
0: Amazing. Awesome. Thanks for having me.
1: Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. See you next time back down the rabbit hole for more awesome conversations just like this. Leah, thanks. Thanks.